So uh, this is, I heard um, a couple of people talk about the um, decorating of the homes that you may have been experiencing, and we've been doing that here in our congregation as well. How many people have some kind of creche uh, set in their houses? And by that, and that's a fancy church word, by the way. So that's like one of these things. So it's the, it's the stable and it's the baby Jesus and the whole nine yards, all, one of those things. Um, so the church here has one and has uh, always gotten that out. They have kind of one outside as well that they put out and the wind usually knocks uh, the shepherds over or something like that. But then we try to do the rest to put them back up as well. And so we have one, uh, we have several in our home too. One of uh, my favorites is uh, about as old as I am because my uh, dad bought it uh, when he, uh, my very first Christmas. And so it's uh, more than 50 years old. And so a few years ago, my dad uh, gave it to, to me and to my family. So every year we get that out. So one of the reasons I like that particular crush too is I like to add some uh, figures to that particular crush set. Now, you may have the tradition of like, you've got, uh, are any of you the kind of person when you line up all the people in the, in the scene, the nativity scene, you've got it like, Mary's gotta go here, Joseph has gotta go here, here are the magi over on this side, here are the shepherds over here. Are any of you kind of very particular about how that goes? Some people, Brandon's the only one who admits it, so thank you, Brandon. Uh, uh, and so that's, you know, the case. And so even though, like, biblically, it's not really correct because the Magi and the Shepherd didn't, but we won't get into that. Uh, and so uh, I like to add some things every once in a while, too. So here's a picture of one that I sent a few years ago. Uh, so there is our crush set. And uh, that is a bobblehead trophy. Uh, and so our, my family, my extended family, every March for the NCAA basketball tournament, we fill out our brackets. If folks have ever done that before. And so we have about 30, 35 people in the winter gets this broken down bobblehead, uh, but it is highly treasured. And so I won it one year. And so I put the bobblehead uh, in the crush set. Now, some of you might think, what are you thinking? Why on earth would you mess with the wonderful tradition of having the Magi and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and the animals and everything else? Well, one reason I do it is I like to shake things up a little bit. And I also, I mean, I, I do my best, and I, I love getting out the crush sets. I love setting them up, all of these things. But once I do, they just kind of become part of the furniture. So that is, I don't really notice them as much anymore. So I like to insert one of these things. I think one year we put Chewbacca uh, made an appearance uh, in the nativity scene. Because it kind of, I do a double take. And it reminds me that even though all of these different figures might have a place, there are others who also should have a place in this scene as well. Even if it looks a little odd, even though it might not be historically accurate, of course, and yet it shakes things up for me, and it reminds me who has a place in this scene and who should have a place in this scene. So we are in this series of Advent that we are calling Displaced. And we are taking a look at those who might not have a place, especially last week we talked about what does it mean to be home for the holidays and what does it mean to not have that home? What does it mean to not have a place? I was grateful for Shelby's testimony today as she sometimes wonders what is my place now 
with my family, and she's not alone. So many others negotiate that, are heartbroken by that. Where is my place in the midst of family or friends or community? So last week, we talked specifically about those who are immigrants and those who are seeking asylum in our country. And we announced uh, this new Good Neighbor program as we are seeking to have an asylum-seeking family in the parsonage right next door to the church. Next week, we'll be talking about refugees, those who are seeking a place outside of the home that they came from, the land that they came from. And today, we are talking about those who are experiencing homelessness, those who also are seeking a place and don't have it. And so where do they go, and what do we do, and how do we respond to them? Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes, like the crush set that you might set up, and then you just get used to it, and you just kind of keep on walking by it, and you don't notice it anymore. When I talk about or think about or reflect on those who are experiencing homelessness, I confess that sometimes I just get used to those individuals. I get used to the statistics. I get numb to those statistics. I don't know if you caught it, but when we were lighting the Advent uh, candle, the latest uh, in 2020, there were 65,000 people in Chicago who were experiencing homelessness. And so sometimes we just let those statistics just kind of go right by us because we're so used to them. And so we just like, well, that's just the way it is. And we don't let it affect us. We drive down south on Harlem, and right before we get on to 290, going either east or west, there's usually always somebody there with a sign looking for money. We just get used to whoever that person might be. At the Trader Joe's in my neighborhood in the city, I know whenever I walk out of the Trader Joe's, there's usually going to be somebody there asking for money. I just get used to that, and I just kind of walk on by. We get used to these things, like we get used to other things too, but these people do not have perhaps a place and so how do we respond? So that's why I'm grateful for times and things that shake me up a bit, take me out of my comfort zone, that take me out of what I am used to so that I can remember not everybody has a place. And how do I respond to those individuals who do not have places? Well, I'm grateful this week for three things that really shook me up a bit and reminded me of that so that I could look again and reflect on what can I do when others don't have a place, specifically when others don't have a home. Well, the first thing that shook me up a bit was actually this story that we read today from the Gospel of Luke, this story that we probably know so well. And yet I was doing a little bit of digging this week, and I realized, wow, this story may not be quite what I thought. So I apologize if I'm about to shake up a little bit for you, especially for those of you who have that really lovely stable uh, crest set at home. What I'm about to say may make you think twice that there might not have been a stable. Uh, so I hope that that's okay. But this really was moving to me as I was reading about what happened, or at least as the text tells it. So what we're going to do first is do a little bit of kind of diving into the scripture. So in verse 7, in Luke 2, verse 7, part of this you probably know so well. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger. Now this is the part you probably know, because there was no place for them in the inn. inn. Right, that's what we know. That's what we've read over the years. This is from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. That's the version that I usually use. But the New Revised Standard Version actually this year came up with an updated edition. So they need to come up with a better name, but right now it's called the New Revised Standard Version Updated Edition. <laughs> or Nurse View, for those of you who want to, you know, drop that in there. 
So it's the exact same scripture, except there's one change at the very end. It says, laid him in a manger because there was no place in the guest room. And I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> guest room and inn, those are two different things. So I was reading this week a book called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. Author is Ken Bailey, scholar, looking at these different things. And so we're going to do a little bit of Greek here. So we know the New Testament from the Greek. So uh, we could put the word up. Or um, So we're going to impress your friends this week with a couple of just drop these into your conversations so that people will think that you know biblical Greek. The first word is katalama. You see that together? Katalama. Katalama. So normally the rule... Katalama is translated as guest room. But it, previously, people have been interpreting or translating that as the word in. But really, it's better translated as guest room because there is another word that means in or commercial in, like the Holiday Inn of Palestine. That word is uh, panda, panda, I gotta spell this out here, pandahin, pandahin. Thank you, good try, good try on that one, yeah. So there's a word for commercial in, and that's if you know the story of the Good Samaritan, when he binds up the wounds and takes the man into a, an inn, that's the word for that. So here, guest room is a better way to translate this. So I'm going to go one step further here. So we've got a couple of pictures of what a typical home perhaps looked like in Bethlehem. So this is looking at it from up top. So we see here that there's the general family room there in the middle, and then... Uh, the Catalama guest room there over to the side. And in most homes like this, they would bring the animals outside and they would bring them into their home for the night. So they would be there in the end part of the house. So they'd be in there. So those of you who have dogs, cats, whatever, it's just like they've got these other farm animals that were there as well. So maybe show the next slide. So you can see the stable or the part where the animals were kind of slanted down a little bit. So that's where all the animals were staying. Do we get, the, get a picture here, what's going on? So the scholar was saying that actually probably no self-respecting Bethlehem household would have rejected a woman who was pregnant or whose betrothed was from the house of David. So we read in the text here that perhaps they came to a house and there was no room for them in that guest room that we saw earlier. There's no room for them in there. So they thought, well, we've got to put them somewhere. Where can we put them? Well, we'll put them perhaps with the animals. In mangers, that's where the trough is, where they eat and everything else. So as I was reading this, it struck me that this family, perhaps a family, did welcome them in. We read so often about there was no room for the inn, so they had to go somewhere else into the stable to give birth. But perhaps this family welcomed them in. They had to go over with the animals because there was no room for them in the guest room. But still, this family perhaps knew this is a couple that needs a place. And so they wanted to share their home in this way. And I'm grateful for shaking me up a bit, perhaps this story that I know so well. Another thing too, as I was thinking about that uh, this week as well, as I was running uh, along um, in my neighborhood this week. So I run about four or five days a week, and this week I was running down uh, Desplaines Avenue, for those of you who may know where that is, and kind of between the South Loop and the West Loop. 
So I was running south on this plains, and I was about ready to hit Roosevelt. I don't know if you are familiar with this part of the city, but there has become like a little tent city that has been set up uh, over there. So as, as you're turning on to get either on to uh, 1994 or the Kennedy or 290, uh, there's all, all of these tents that had been set up uh, there before. And what struck me was a couple of things. As I was running along, and first of all, somebody has created a sign, and they have named this tent city in memoriam of somebody. I'm like, this is a professional sign. So they've named this tent city for them. And so as I was running along, I noticed something else. So I was used to all of the tents that were in different um, uh, shapes and sizes. Some of them were a little dilapidated. But as I kept running, I noticed something else. So if we could put up the picture there was a whole, this is, this is not exactly the place, but these kinds of tents were along this new tent city. All of these orange, really industrial strength tents were set up in this tent city. And so I was really intrigued by this. And so I had to do a little bit of internet searching to figure out what exactly was happening here. And so I read about a man named Andy Robledo. I hope I'm pronouncing his name uh, correctly. And so, he has started, or he first he started a business called Plants Delivered Chicago, and it's located in the University Village neighborhood of the city. So if any of you, and they've delivered to the suburbs too, if any of you want a plant delivered to your home, a house plant, plantsdeliveredchicago.com. You can go on there and order a plant for yourself. But as I was reading on his website a little bit more, it was interesting, he takes a portion of his proceeds to give to the Greater Chicago Food Depository. But then not only that, as I was watching news stories about these industrial sized, they're actually tents for ice fishermen. And so they're not cheap, they're about $500 a piece. And so Andy Robledo, who is the son of Mexican immigrants, by the way, talking about before people who don't have a place, he felt so inspired and wanted to do something for these individuals in these tent cities. And so he has started this campaign to buy these ice fishing tents for those in the tent city. And so as I saw these things, it reminded me that not everybody has a place. And it shook me up a bit so that I might think differently, or at least I might pause and reflect on what am I doing to make sure that people have a place someone who was so inspired thousands of years ago to take in this woman and this man who were about to have a child. This other man who saw this tent city and thought we need to do better at giving these folks a better place to stay at night and so started this campaign to create tents for them. Both of these things shook me out of my comfort zone this week and I'm grateful for that. So what I would like for us to do perhaps is all of you get one of these little uh, individual characters as you walked in today, perhaps the shepherd or the magi or some angels. So what I would like for you to do is to take these with you and take them home. Now you may want to put them in your own crush set, you may want to put them on the Christmas tree, that's all well and good, but I'm going to ask you to put them somewhere where it seems out of place. Put them on your bathroom sink as you brush your teeth in the morning, or perhaps put them in your car on the dashboard, or perhaps uh, put them in your kitchen as you prepare a meal. Others might think, well, why are you putting the shepherd 
on your bathroom sink. It doesn't belong there. It belongs in this set up here, but that's the whole point. The shepherds, the magi, the first family were all displaced of sorts. And so by putting them somewhere else, perhaps that will remind us that there are those who are displaced. It's in somewhere where it doesn't necessarily, quote unquote, belong. And I hope and pray that when we see that, then that might remind us that there are so many others who are displaced, who do not have a home, do not have shelter, do not have a country, do not have anywhere. And so when we see that and notice that, I hope that that might then begin to work on our own hearts and we might pray about how we might respond for those who are displaced in our own world as well as we look at our lovely crush sets and remember that man and that woman and that child who didn't have a place to go but found a place. May we also try to find those places for others who are displaced in our communities too. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks. We're grateful that we have places, but we also know that there are so many who don't. We think about the thousands of people in our area who tonight will be sleeping in a tent or a shelter or under a viaduct. Lord, we pray that we do not become numb to these individuals, that we might be moved, shaken up, in order that we might respond in some way, just as so many others have done and just as someone did for you when you were born. Shake us up, O oh Lord, and help us and respond to those who are displaced. Amen.